0: Welcome to the Prometheus Strength Podcast. This is your host, Zach Powell. This is the podcast for thinking weightlifters. So today I want to discuss nutrition and specifically for the sport of weightlifting. Now, I'm just going to begin by saying that if you're trying to use a nutritional strategy or intervention to treat a medical, um, medical condition, this is not a podcast for you. I am not a medical do- doctor, so please talk to your physician or a registered dietitian, a qualified professional, to treat any disease or medical condition with nutrition. Everything else I discuss, it's going to revolve around performance and fitting nutrition into one's lifestyle and weightlifting. I want to begin on talking about like the principles. so. Obviously I want to just get my bias out there saying that I do subscribe to the calories in calories out idea and theory and I have a flexible approach to how I talk to my clients and my athletes as well as what I use with myself. With that out of the way, I want to discuss the macronutrients, um, beginning with recommendations for that. so, protein being the most important of, of the the three here that I want to discuss. And, you know, most of you already probably consume protein or consume enough of it, and so I don't need to, like, sell you on eating the right amount. With that being said, we all weigh ourselves in kilograms here, so a general recommendation I would give... To people is being in the 2.0 to 2.4 grams per kilograms per day range with that being coming from you know lean meats to make sure we're not over consuming uh, other other nutrients. and I lean sources, I should say not lean meats, but <clears throat> lean sources to make sure that we're not getting other macronutrients and calories being well out of the range that we want to be in for the day. Carbohydrates, Um, a lot of times I think people get too caught up into the right amounts when it's not practical and I'll I'll get to what that means, but still making sure that our carbohydrate sources mainly come from whole foods, um, you know, 80 to 90% coming from whole foods. And this is more on the side of making sure we're getting enough micronutrients. With the rise of flexible dieting or if it fits your macros, I did even myself fall in the trap of all that matters is if you hit your macronutrients and your calories for the day and you're not eating like a ton of micronutrients. It was not intentional. I don't believe a lot of people do, you know, skip out on micronutrients intentionally. But with that being said, when we're prioritizing carbs in our diet, we want to make sure that those are rich in micronutrients. So fruits, vegetables, whole grains, um, because the phytonutrients are super important to one's performance. Not as much as macronutrients, but still, we can kill bird, two birds with one stone by making sure that we're eating whole food sources and eating plenty of nutrient-rich foods through our carbohydrate sources. Fats are a little bit trickier. So I, I know a lot, of, um, a lot of people who follow um, RP for, for weight cuts, um fats do get reduced first uh, or not first but but they do get reduced like closer to the end and i think that fats are going to depend on the person what strategy are they trying to use and then also how do they feel with lowering certain amounts so obviously somebody on the higher end of the body fat percentage they have a higher x ex- like uh, amount of excess fat that the dietary dietary fat does not need to be as high because it, it would just be supplementing what they already have. But but once again, I want to get to difference between cutting, maintaining, and bulking later on. Um, and then once again, like the carbohydrates, fats in the diet can either be nutrient-dense or not. And so a lot of times um, we people can get, you know, like egg yolks are a good example where they have a lot of um, nutrients with fats that we can get together Ver- some, versus something like a vegetable oil that doesn't have a lot of nutrients with it and it is just offering a fat source. So all that being said, that's the those are the three main nutrients that we're going to be discussing in terms of when you're trying to cut, maintain, bulk, and when are we going to be eating those things, you know, throughout the day or um, throughout a training phase. So now all of this being said, we're going to change the macronutrients to be able to cut bulk or maintain, and that's pretty obvious to, to most people. So let's just say you're, you're trying to cut weight for, for a meat, and you're eight weeks out. I've talked about it on the podcast before. Like I, I prefer like longer cuts, cutting way earlier, but sometimes that's not feasible, especially somebody who's generally leaner or they have to train with high training volumes. It might be hard for them to, to cut really far out because they need the calories to, to do the, the work that's prescribed and that they need to perform. Um, so my preference actually when cutting is to keep protein high. So I, I am a little more conservative. I like to be on the high end of protein. So around the 2.4 grams per kilogram range, but I let my carbs and fats kind of sort themselves out depending on what I'm eating for the day. And then I keep my calories at like a sustained deficit over time. And the reason I do this is more for my, my mental capacity. So I'm not stressing about food choices or specific numbers when we can accomplish the same thing. So if we're, if my wife and I are going to be eating dinner that night and it's a little more fat heavy, um, you know, let's just say like coconut curry chicken or something where I'm using full fat coconut milk, I'm just not gonna have rice with it. I'll just have the veggies and and reduce the the, um, the carb intake. And the next day it might be a, a sandwich. So for dinner, and we might I might cut back on the fats. So I really just let the those things um, eat like work themselves out while keeping my protein and calories at a, a maintained level. And I think that the flip side of that as well is for bulking. You know, you can go a little bit lower on the protein, so if you feel full all the time, maybe you just bring it down to 2.0 grams per kilogram per day and um, let your fats and carbs work themselves out. And maintenance, I would say, it matters even, even less to, to worry about where your carbs and fats are. But with that being said, some people, when getting really low or lean, may have to prioritize carbs much more so this is when it matters really when you're in maintenance or or bulking unless you're doing keto how much you're how many carbohydrates you're eating per day it does matter i don't want to say it doesn't but it matters much less because you're probably eating enough that it's going to sustain you. Your muscle glycogen is going to be around. You're probably not depleting it during a workout simply because you're just eating more food and you're not depleting yourself as easily. Easily. <clears throat> now, the counter to that, let's take somebody like Alyssa Ritchie. She's very, you know, a, a smaller person. She's a female. And I don't know what her nutritional strategies look like, but just somebody that would be her frame may have to prioritize carbohydrates much more because they have less muscle glycogen, muscle, less liver glycogen on hand when they're training. That's when you're going to start getting into things like eating you know, your Sour Patch Kids before a training session or during a training session. That doesn't need to happen if somebody's in a, a bulk or maintenance, and it's not going to have that big of a, an effect on performance like it would when you're really trying to cut when carbohydrates become more important. Because our sport is an explosive sport and we're using you know, our anaerobic glycolytic, glycolytic system and our ATP creatine kinase um, or creatine phosphate system, it's going to be much more important that we refuel ourselves much faster. But that really only comes into play when you're super lean or you're really cutting aggressively. Every other phase of training, it probably doesn't matter all that much. And so that brings me into nutrient timing. So, I used to believe that nutrient timing was everything. So I fell for the, after a workout, within 30 minutes you need to be getting protein in. Then I was on the other end where no, nutrient timing doesn't matter at all. But, the like normal, it falls somewhere in the middle. So... Let's just take the protein example. If you were trying to eat all of your protein for the week on a single day, you're probably not going to get as good of an effect as if you planned it out much more meticulously throughout each and every day. And that that that's obviously an extreme example. Most people probably aren't doing that unless they do like large fasts. But you know the benefit probably comes somewhere in the middle. Um, You don't have to eat six meals a day if it becomes inconvenient because the difference between three meals and six meals is much smaller than one meal and six meals. Same goes for carbohydrates and fats. So it's really centered around one's performance for carbohydrates and fats. You're probably not going to want a high fat meal before you work out. Like, you're not going to want to drizzle olive oil on your chicken breast 30 seconds before you take a maximal attempt. So that's where a lot of the, the recommendations to spread your fat out, like, before, like early in the morning if you're training late at night or after you're training, that's where I think it becomes more important than just the, like, anabolic effects and stuff that people talk about with fat and, and nutrient timing, because it's just going to be very uncomfortable to consume a lot of fat if you're not used to that before a a training session carbohydrates when you're leaner nutrient timing is going to matter more because you may have depleted your glycogen storages and so right before a training session it might be a good idea to have a high carbohydrate meal with that being said lower fiber is probably going to be beneficial because Fiber slows down digestion, which is great for health, it's great for body composition changes. Not so much good for digestion during a training session. Now, there's caveats to that as well. Eating something like an apple that has, you know, simple sugars as well as complex carbohydrates and fiber is probably going to sustain digestion long term. You're not going to have a lot of GI upset from eating, like eating an apple before training. On the flip side if you were to eat something that's extremely extremely like filling and satiating um, and high in fiber before a training session like a salad if you're not used to that that may cause some gi upset but it really depends on are you used to it is this in a training cycle that you know the volume isn't super high and the intensity is low maybe it's extremely general um it's gonna depend and that's where working with somebody or making sure that you are working with yourself and being observant to say, Hey, I don't really get a lot of GI upset, so I can eat, you know, high fiber meals right before training, or maybe I need to know high fiber before two hours before training. So when people say nutrient timing does matter, it does, but much less than making sure, like we talked about in the beginning like are your calories taken um like are you eating the appropriate amount of calories for your goals are you eating the right amount of protein for your goals and then are you making sure that you're eating you know like whole foods a majority of the time and taking care of your micronutrients meal timing comes after that making sure that you're you're not affecting your performance by not eating things that sit well with you um I've been, obviously, in gyms and training for a large part of my life, like I talked about in my episode of my story, Um, so I've seen a lot, and I want to talk about the limitations and how to use those strategies during, like, a weightlifting phase. So keto is obviously very big right now, and that is trying to reduce carbohydrates as much as possible, um, just like the carnivore diet. And you know, I've I've, I've seen people, there are some people who perform well with it, you know, who's to say that that might be the best for them. But I really want to discuss the, how do you use that without affecting your performance too much? And then also like, the reality is we're humans, you know, people have preferences. And maybe that strategy is a really good one for somebody trying to lose weight. And they also love weightlifting. I'm not going to try and convince them to eat carbohydrates because it's going to affect their weightlifting performance if it's a better strategy for them to lose weight if they're obese. Um, So, you know, we've got to pick our battles here on this one. So with keto, the big thing that I've seen with people who take it on, they change the quality of their diet quite dramatically. And the thing about going from, uh, you know, a traditional Western diet and to a ketogenic diet, is you're reducing your processed food intake dramatically, which is a good thing, <laughs> but with that comes a reduction in um, electrolyte-like balance. So, you know, you're you're not eating thing- as much sodium, um, potassium, because unless you're intentionally start- salting your food, which you should be if you go on keto, you're probably going to have a much larger imbalance in your electrolytes especially if you train somewhere where you're sweating a lot and most of us are whether we're in um, garages or maybe a a gym that's not held at a super cool temperature and that's going to affect your training a lot so making sure you're having an electrolyte drink um, during your training after your training you're staying hydrated Um, understand that your your glycogen is gonna basically be depleted most of the time Uh, this is all in reference to what people call the keto flu. So making sure that with this, you are being on top of your micronutrients much more because you're not eating as large of a variety of food. Um, And Unless unless you do a modified ketogenic diet where you are getting a lot of fats from things like avocados that do have carbohydrates in them, but they are going to offer many different uh, micronutrients as well so just be mindful of your electrolytes like i said and your micronutrients with that paleo same thing Um, when you reduce your your sodium intake from not eating as much um, eating as much uh, uh, processed foods you're gonna want to just be on top of your your micronutrient game and paleo tends to reduce a lot of grains and wheat so, if you are going that route, or and fruit too, depending on the, the style of Paleo you go, just make sure you're getting plenty, plenty of uh, variety in your diet where you can, and uh, you know, like, you're, you're working on your electrolyte imbalance. And I, I know that I'm stressing that point a lot, but we sweat during training, and if you don't salt your food, um, you know, a lot of people see tons of negative effects when they first start and just making sure you're being aware of how you respond to those, those diets and how your training responds as well. Um, intermittent fasting. This is going to be where meal timing plays a, a role too. Some people like to train fasted. There's obviously nothing wrong with that if your performance doesn't suffer. Fortunately, if you're in a phase where you're working on power development or you're not doing a ton of volume, that may not be a big issue. But I do know training hungry is very uncomfortable. So maybe if you schedule your training during your your feeding window, that may be beneficial to your training. Um, but if it doesn't work within, you know, making sure that you uh, are – calorie controlled and you're trying to cut and you train in the morning but you like eating at night you just have to understand that maybe you load your calories later to be fed for the morning Um, it's it's about working within the confines of your limitations your training isn't suffering too much Um, but I think that I want to discuss an idea where we get so caught up in our performance and, and we should, I mean, obviously we're here to be weightlifter or to discuss weightlifting. Um, but understand that like sometimes people have goals that are larger than, than weightlifting itself. So yes, maybe your performance takes a toll in the short term, but if you can get to a healthier body weight or maintain a better relationship with food or, or many different goals, weightlifting can take a back seat to that. And as long as you understand that your performance may be reduced in the short term, and, you know, you learn to manage those things, and those diets do help you mentally, then great, we're gonna, we're gonna make sure that we, we work within those confines. Um, it'll, veganism is, is another vegan diets are going to be a good example of that too right if somebody has a big like a strong um, sense of morality around their diet especially when it comes to being a vegan you know you're going to have to make sure that you're eating a, a great amount of protein throughout the day even more than the 2.4 grams per kilograms just to be safe so that you are getting all of the amino acids that that you need all of your essential amino acids and you know that's great but just understand that there's limitations with that Um, your fiber intake is going to be much higher so I did experiment two weeks with uh, a vegan diet and it caused severe GI distress and I, I did see negative effects not just in my training but outside of that as well um, and, and I just didn't manage it well. And, you know, that's where working with somebody who does have a lot of experience with um, the diet that you are, you know, trying to use or, or somebody who understands the effects around it. I am not a proponent of any of these. Like I said, I am biased towards flexible approaches. I eat meat. I think that it's uh, perfectly healthy to have um, a lot of different foods in one's diet and um, but the reality is that some people do prefer these things and sometimes that clashes with weightlifting um so I, I you know obviously this is a short snippet of you know the reality of trying different diets and making sure that those fit in one's life and weightlifting but just understand that there are limitations to everything and we just need to you know, fit it into our life with weightlifting. The last thing I want to talk about is supplements. So they get a, a big, um, like a big uh, uh, space in weightlifting especially, but really the the only ones that I recommend would be like a protein shake, but I view that as uh, liquid food. So it's just to supplement where you're missing out on your protein in your diet. Um, creatine, obviously um, creatine is Hugely supported in the literature, but I mean, just it's so cheap as well. So even if it has a slightly positive to neutral effect, like it's so cheap that it, it it's warranted in its use. Caffeine, a lot of people use caffeine. So as i discussed before, when I was training for my physique show and living in a fraternity and working seven days a week in college, I used to consume well over a gram of caffeine a day. So I I do love stimulants. I am a huge fan of caffeine. But where it gets tricky is if caffeine can negatively impact your technical performance during a training session or in a meet, if it causes you to be anxious or um, if you start lacking control in your lifting. So pre-workout, I don't take pre-workout anymore, I don't advocate for taking it unless you really like being amped up for training, Um, but just again, if it gets you so amped up or if it negatively impacts your sleep, just understand that there is such a thing as too much um, caffeine intake over time, not because I think it will negatively impact your health per se, but that maybe you're overusing it and if you were a little bit more calm or able to to have a little more control over your body while you're training or um you know or makes you sleep better just know that caffeine can have a negative effect as well as a large positive one like i said i love caffeine i i would drink it if it didn't have or i would drink you know copious amounts if i i didn't think about those other effects and you know it can be a benefit if you are tired for the day and you want to take some caffeine to really boost your performance because you feel sluggish and slow caffeine is great for that purpose like i think that go ahead take it you, you're taking it at noon and you are getting ready for a 2 pm training session and you don't have to worry about your sleep and you know you're just trying to get amped up and have some fun during training, like yeah it's it's perfectly awesome to take and safe to take in large amounts or relatively large amounts I wouldn't advocate for a gram a day don't do that but um, you know if you're in the 300 milligrams um, range or you know somewhere around there it's gonna be perfectly fine to to take and it's shown to be very effective in helping one's performance so um, you know, like I said before, it's, it's about what's optimal in the big picture. You know, don't lose the forest through the trees with any of these things. Um, you know, the big rocks here are going to be your calorie intake to be matched up with your goals and then making sure you're consuming enough protein and then being consistent over time. Because if you, if you worry too much about the little things and you're losing, okay, I want to be progressing. I want to, Build muscle, I want to get stronger. And over time, I need to be eating in a calorie surplus. But here and there, you're dieting or you're not eating enough protein. And, you know, it's really affecting your performance when you're eating a Big Mac right before training. You know, we want to be consistent. We want to make sure that we understand that it's never one thing in isolation, it's the little things that add up over time, years, you know, um, decades that really are going to aid our performance in the long run. And taking care of those big rocks and fitting it within your life. Um, You know, understanding that, hey, maybe it's a protein shake right before training because I'm I'm hungry but I need to still be dieting, like to make weight. So I'm just going to have a protein shake with a half a banana before training. Or if I'm bulking, hey, maybe I need to make sure that I'm eating you know, foods that taste really good at night to make sure that I'm increasing my calories even though I'm not that hungry. So, you know, it's easy to say blank is optimal for X goal. But reality is we all have different situations. We all have different, um, you know, schedules and we all have different demands just to progress in training. And so our nutrition should match up to that. Um, but that's pretty much how I feel about nutrition. I know that's like a weak statement to say it depends all the time, but in reality, I, I, I can't give any hard like judgments on things because in my experience, it really does depend. I've used different strategies for myself to get the same results. Um, like I said, I'm biased to a flexible approach, so making sure that something does fit in your life and your preferences and that it doesn't negatively impact your training sessions because you want to make sure that it does aid you in the long run. So that's all I got for you today. Um, I'll see you next week. Once again, you can find me at Zach.Paulo on Instagram, and you can uh, leave me a rating and review on whatever podcast platform that you listen to. That really helps other people find this, and for me to get feedback on what you guys want to hear more of.